Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Sunday, May 29th, 2022, and this is day 1533 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning into our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we honor you, we praise you, and glorify you. Thank you so much for waking us up to see this beautiful, brand new day that you created just for us. Help us, Father, to go forth and make the most out of this day and fulfilling in fulfilling the purpose that you've given us. I ask, Father, that you will comfort the brokenhearted and heal the sick and bless those who may be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today's message is the despicable things. Many times we don't talk about those things. And uh, sometimes I'm going to say every time I've ever seen something that looked despicable, once I found out the understory or what really is going on beneath the surface, it's not so despicable anymore. I find out what is what is really, what that person is really about. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today in Genesis chapter 38. Uh, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 30, the whole chapter. I always would skim over this every time I would see it. And uh, I would read it over the years of being, um, you know, in the word of God. And, and I was like, wow, this just seems so nasty. The thing that happened here. And, <laughs> and so I just could not quite grab hold until, until the Lord said, I want you to share this. And he gave me greater insight on this. I actually was willing to receive that insight finally. And uh, so let's go ahead and get started here in Genesis chapter 38, starting at verse one. And it says at that time, Judah, and Judah was the fourth son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. And he had uh, two wives, uh, Rachel and Leah, and Rachel is who he really wanted to marry, but he was tricked uh, by his uncle Laban to marry Leah. And Leah blessed him with uh, the, their first four children. <clears throat> Judah was one of them. And then Rachel's servant blessed them with two other children. And, and then Leah's servant blessed him with two other children. And then Leah had three other children. And then Rachel, finally God opened her womb and it was a curse uh, in those days if you did not have children and if your womb was closed. And finally God blessed Rachel, uh, who Jacob truly loved, to bless him with two children, Joseph and then Benjamin, who she died at childbirth with Benjamin. So... Judah is the fourth child of Jacob and Leah. 
And it says, at that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. There Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth still to another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kizib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death. <coughs> Excuse me. Then Judah said to Onan, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death also. That really blew me away when I read that. And um, what did that really mean? You know, and so we're going to jump around a little bit in in a moment. Uh, We'll go over to Deuteronomy chapter 25 to learn more about this sacred thing in God's eyes uh, and what this brother-in-law did, Onan did, was despicable to God. And, um, and and it was like, it was a law that if your brother died and he had no children, that his brother, the next brother in line, would uh, sleep with the, the wife of the dead brother to bring about offspring to carry out that family name. That's really what it was all about. But this brother didn't want to do that because it would not be his name carried out. It would be for his brother. So, you know, there there is so much more underneath the surface that I, I did not glean before. So now, you know, it's just a much better understanding. So in God's eyes, when God saw this, God, you know, put him to death because of what he did was wicked. Verse 11 says, Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, He went up to Tamar, or I'm sorry, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, 
and then sat down at the entrance to Enan, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that though Sheila had grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. So you see, that is what should have happened, but it did not. Judah did not give her his last son. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. And in those days, uh, you know, prostitution, let me just read out of my commentary so that I get this correct. Uh, It says that uh, a woman's most important function was bearing children. Oh, just getting that understanding. But also in those days, prostitution, uh, it says it may seem strange that prostitution is written about in such a matter of fact, uh, a matter of fact type of way here. But prostitutes were common in pagan cultures such as Canaan. Public prostitutes served Canaanite goddesses and were common elements of the religious cult. Fornication was encouraged to improve fertility in crops and flocks. Public prostitutes were more highly respected than private prostitutes who were sometimes punished when caught. So Tamar was driven to seduce Judah, which we'll talk more about that. Um, Because, first of all, a woman's, one of the most important things or a woman's most important function during those days was bearing children who would... Uh, <clears throat> perpetrate, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, who would um, uh, bring about a continue, I'm sorry, the family line, got a little stumbled there, who would continue the family line uh, to ensure that children belong to the husband, the bride was expected to be a virgin, and the wife was expected to have relations only with him. If a wife committed adultery, she could be executed. All right. So just getting that understanding, the woman in those days, I mean, her main uh, objective was to produce children. And, and if she did not, it was a curse. And if she had sex outside of marriage, she could be stoned to death. So back to verse 15, <clears throat> when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she had covered her face, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. And what you and what will you give me to sleep with you? She said, I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her. And she became pregnant by him. So that seal was really a very important piece. And typically uh, people of wealth or power had this, it was a like a mark clay of wax. And so it was very significant to the owner. It was like um, their identification seal. 
and it was um, to authenticate legal uh, documents. And each person had their own unique seal if they were wealthy or someone of power. So that's what he gave her as a pledge. Okay. Uh, And she became pregnant by him. And after she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road at Enam? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who live there said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep what she has or we will become a laughing stock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out and she said, so this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez, which also means broken out or breaking out. Then his brother who had the scarlet thread on his wrist came out and he was named Zara. And that can mean scarlet or brightness. But the the moral here of the story is, why did Tamar do what she did? And why did Judah say she was more righteous than him? And I think you get the message now that it's deeper than what we see at the surface. It was about carrying out a family legacy and it was about what was promised to her she was promised and it was rightfully uh so based upon the word of god that he should have given her his next son in line after he was old enough but he refused to possibly out of fear that maybe he would die too let's look at what that is based upon deuteronomy chapter 25 starting at verse 5 it says If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The 
the first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. However, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elder at the town gate and say, my husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. So it's about carrying out that family name, all right, uh, in the tribe of Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of his town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of his sandals, spit in his face, and say, this is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That means that man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. And, and something about the sandals making a pledge. Uh, people would give their sandal back then uh, when they're making a pledge or uh, an agreement. Uh, but I thought that was quite powerful. I won't go any deeper into that. But So now understanding uh, what is really underneath this uh, is not just what we see. Her, you know, seducing her father-in-law and, you know... Um, uh, dressing up like a prostitute, you know, we can be quite judgy. I, I know I was it uh, before I came to truly get an understanding uh, in my own life and and the mission that God has given me. So let me go to the points quickly. Point number one: Have you ever seen or heard of people doing things that look despicable or sound despicable until you know their story? Many times we've been so conditioned by this world system to judge, to judge people based off of what we see. Many years ago, I thought people who were prostituting on the streets, I thought that was a horrible act. I didn't think the people were. I just thought what they were doing was despicable. I just thought the act of what they were doing was not right. And uh, like, why would they do that? I thought, why don't they get a regular job? Until I began doing outreach in the streets several years ago. I then understood their stories. I saw them as one of God's precious children. Many of them were doing what they had to do to survive. Many were being sex trafficked. Many had been sexually abused as children. Many had gotten addicted or put on drugs through the people uh, perpetrating the harm upon them just to continue using them in prostitution to make money off of them. And so then they became addicted to drugs and then they needed the, the drugs and that was something that was held over their heads. And many were just in a destitute situation and felt like they have no way out. At that point, I became more interested in learning about this evil multi-billion dollar industry, human or sex trafficking. I was connected to Allison Phillips, uh, a friend, a dear friend of mine now, um, who also was a college professor uh, teaching. Uh, she was teaching about sex trafficking 
uh, as well as uh, I forgot the other subject matter. She was teaching at UMKC and she's no longer with UMKC. She is now uh, doing trainings with police officers or whoever uh, is interested in learning more about sex trafficking. Uh, she's also a pilot after getting to know her a little better and us having conversations. But, you know, how she truly loves the Lord and first and foremost and how God gave her that mission. And so for a few years, I would go to many of their workshops and got to meet many of the women who were no longer in the field, but who were victimized by it and who were now out of it. Uh, and now thriving and doing what God had called them to do, but also making people aware, educating people on what is really going on underneath the surface. Once I got an understanding about how this evil system worked, I was on a mission myself. God showed me my next assignment, and that was providing a safe space for youth who are victimized by sex and human trafficking. Point number two, after God opened my eyes to truly see beyond the exterior, I learned a valuable lesson, not to judge others, but to get to know them and what is really going on underneath the surface. And that is what God wants us to all do. And whatever that is, I'll never forget many years ago at a school, and I say many years ago, but it may have been about four years ago at one of the schools I was at a a few times a week. And it it was this one young lady, seventh or eighth grader, it was a middle school. And uh, she was constantly bullying another young lady. I mean, they started off as friends and then Uh, It got really ugly to where she was threatening her and wanted to fight her. And they literally had gotten into fights before. And there was something else going on underneath the surface. But I couldn't quite put my finger on it and met with them and mediated with them. And and it came to a point where we needed to involve the parents. So we set something up, the school did, for after school. And I did a mediation with both their mothers being there and the two girls. And um, as we were doing the mediation, uh, the young lady, the one, the mother of the girl who was being victimized by the girl that was uh, uh, exhibiting bullying behaviors, started talking to the girl saying, why do you keep doing this to my daughter? What else is happening with you? And her, the girl's mother was, you know, that was being, that was doing the bullying. She was quiet and and allowed that process. And she didn't understand why her daughter was doing that either. And finally, the mother of the victimized daughter began to share her story. And she said, you know, When I was younger, I was sexually assaulted by a family member. And she said, I would act out kind of like you're doing right now. And I was angry with everyone. And I would do horrible things to other people. And I I was just 
speechless as sitting through and, and hearing this mother pouring out her heart and sharing this. And I, and I knew there was something more to it. And then the young lady that was perpetrating the bullying behavior began to break down and cry. And the mother, you know, of the victimized daughter went over and hugged her. She said, you're going through the same thing, aren't you? And she said, yes. And from that point on, whatever was said, you know, at that time in that space, they all agreed to not take it outside of there. I will not give names or anything like that ever, but that young lady was able to uh, move forward and getting some help. And that mother uh, talked to her. I don't know if they, I know they exchanged phone numbers, the parents did. And uh, it was quite an amazing mediation to see the healing begin beginning to take place because that one mother was willing to look beneath the surface and to truly see what was going on with the young woman that was bringing harm on her daughter. She was really being a victim herself. She was being victimized as well. And the Lord has really put that on my heart heavy to not judge people, especially um, we see this often in prostitution or people in the streets. And as I said before, the mission that God has given me is to the next phase of T-Zone is to begin to have to look for a building to have this safe space because there's many there are many young people being victimized by sex trafficking right beneath our noses in the schools and we need to be aware we're going to be again teaching on awareness and uh, what we need to do to stop it now if you don't know Jesus whatever it is you know if you fit in this category that God is First of all, maybe maybe this is something that's been happening to you or has happened to you. And and you're not you've not told anybody about it and you've been, you know, a victim and you know, if you need help in that area, I would be more than happy to connect you with resources starting with my friend Allison who can definitely who is far more knowledgeable in the area uh and and knowing connections and, and getting the resources that you need, I'll be more than happy to connect you there. So please feel free to reach out. Uh, send me a message uh, via my our website at tzonekc.org and send a message. If um, you're someone that used to judge people in that area, you know, just ask God to help you and to let you see and and. We ask God for forgiveness to move forward so that we can be a blessing to all people. If you don't know Jesus, now we can go there. If you don't know him, this that would be the first step. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, my friend, is the ultimate, to know Jesus as your Savior, to be with him for eternity. I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. 
May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And please don't forget to check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E, Be Like Boy, U-Y-C-K-S, Ministries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. And don't forget to check us out on T-ZoneKC.org. Learn more about what we're doing in the community, teaching our youth workforce skills, life skills, entrepreneurship development, and peer mediation. And also we will be doing um, helping educate in sex trafficking. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.